Welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. I want to thank you so much for joining us once again for another episode of this podcast. We are going to be looking at the first half of Daniel chapter 8 today. I was considering stopping the Daniel series where we were. Um, I wasn't sure if we wanted to continue it or not, but there's just so much more to unpack in his inspirational life um, that I I felt like we should keep going. And so today is going to be the last episode of Dr. Henderson and me talking about the book of Daniel. We got halfway through the, the eighth chapter. So you remember last time, Daniel chapter seven, we went through the story of the beasts and what they represent in the different kingdoms. And so today we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter eight, a very similar vision. And uh, Dr. Henderson and I talk about the, uh, the vision as Daniel sees it. And we get about halfway through the chapter. So we'll do part one this week and then part two next week. So thank you so much for joining Here is my conversation with Dr. Henderson about Daniel chapter 8. We finished Daniel chapter 7, and we're getting ready to go into Daniel chapter 8. Again, we're doing this chronologically. So we are in the third year of Belshazzar now in chapter 8. And then after we finish this chapter, we'll be going back to Daniel 5 and talking about the fall of Babylon and what happens at the end of Belshazzar's reign. Um, But let's go ahead and get started with Daniel chapter 8 and verse 1. And I'm reading from uh, the clear word. Two years later, in the third year of Belshazzar, I had another vision. This vision included more details than the first one. I had this vision while I was on business for the king in his other place, palace in Susa, in the province of Elam. It happened as I was taking a walk along the Uliah River. I saw a ram standing beside the river. It had two large horns but one was higher than the other. The higher one was newer and obviously had come up last. So let's just pause there really fast. Remind yeah. us who Belshazzar is. Um, and, uh, and of course, we've been talking about Daniel for quite a while, but what is his position at this time? And what, what, what's kind of the context of this chapter? Yeah. Well, Belshazzar is the grandson of uh, Nebuchadnezzar mm-hmm. and uh, kind of by default in a way became the king yes yes um, his father had decided he enjoyed religious duties more than being king and so he went off basically in a monastery in their religion in a, in a holy city and he's kind of cloistered him away himself away and uh, he left his son Belshazzar in charge of the kingdom. So Belshazzar is a regent with his father, but he's, for all practical purposes, the king, because his father doesn't right. really care. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, and Daniel, of course, we've been following his political career as well as, as, well as his religious devotion. Right. And under Nebuchadnezzar, he was the prime minister of Babylon. He had a very high position. 
During Belshazzar's reign, he didn't seem to have as much authority or as much of an active role in politics as he not did. Not as in, much influence. <laughs> not as much influence. Yeah. And we'll discuss that more when we get into Daniel chapter 5 in a little bit. Um, but he's obviously still traveling on business a little bit, you know, maybe doing something for the kingdom. Right. Um, Shushan, which is, or Susa, as, as your version puts it, um, was where Daniel was when he had this vision. And if you go to the book of Esther, that's where Artaxerxes' um, palace was. That was his capital um, years later when, when the Medo-Persians had come take over Babylon. And uh, he had his kingdom based out of Susa or Shushan. Uh, but of course, this is before Medo-Persia has taken over and Daniel right. is in this citadel, this fortress um, on business. And it says that he was... Suddenly, in his vision, standing beside the river, and he sees this ram with two horns, um, really high horns, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. So, right. You can continue. <laughs> and uh, getting into uh, prophetic history. Yes, yes. <laughs> Chapter uh, 8, verse 4 I saw the ram charge west and then north, and then south. No other animal could stand in its way or dared to challenge its power. The ram did as it pleased and grew to be very strong and cruel. As I was thinking about what I saw, suddenly a male goat came charging from the west, so fast that his feet didn't even touch the ground. It had a huge horn sticking out from between its eyes, and it was heading straight for the ram that I had seen standing by the river. The goat charged it with savage fury. Very interesting. Mm. So in the last chapter, we had all these beasts that came up out of the water. Now we have a goat and a ram, and they're fighting together. Very, right. yeah, definitely interesting. And the goat has one horn. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas the the uh, the ram had two. Right. Which we'll find out later why the differentiation. <laughs> yes, and and the angel is is very specific here in this. Um, when when he explains this vision to Daniel. So we won't have to do a whole lot of guessing when we get there. (laughs) Verse 7. The closer he got to the ram, the more furious he became. And he hit it head on, breaking off both of its horns. The ram was powerless to stand up against it. The goat knocked the ram down and trampled on it. Mm. No one was able to rescue it from the goat. Then the goat grew stronger and more arrogant, but at the height of his power, the huge horn broke off, and in its place, four little horns came up, each one pointing in a different direction. Now, one of the little horns sprouted a very tiny horn, but soon it grew bigger and stronger than the other four combined. And as it grew, it first pointed south, then east, and finally toward the promised land. 
It grew so strong that it didn't hesitate to challenge the power of heaven and trample on the people of God. That's kind of sounding a little bit like the little horn of Daniel 7, doesn't right, it? Right, right. So we have a little horn in both chapters that do very similar things. Yeah. I think we'll go back through this a little bit as we get into the explanation into, um, and, kind of, right. and kind of explain what some of this means that it's talking about. It got to the place where it even defied the Prince of Heaven, put an end to the daily sacrifices and ministrations, and cast down and destroyed the place of his sanctuary. Mm. Because of their sins, the people of God were given over to this power, and the services of the temple ceased. Then I saw the little horn change its appearance and attack the truth about the sanctuary of God and the daily intercession in heaven. The little horn practiced and prospered. Mm. Now, one of the angels said something to my angel, and my angel asked him the very question I wanted to ask. He said... How long will God let the little horn try to take God's place? And how much longer will God continue to let it pervert the truth about himself and the sanctuary in heaven and allow it to persecute his people? It's a valid question. (laughs) Yeah. We're getting into some timetable here. Hmm. Verse 14. And he said to him, After 2,300 prophetic days, or 2,300 years, God will step in, proclaim the truth about himself, and restore the ministry of the sanctuary in heaven to its rightful place. This is when the judgment will begin, of which the Cleansing of the earthly sanctuary was a type. Hmm. Getting into something deep here. Verse 15. I wanted to understand more of what I had seen and to know what it all meant. So the one standing on the other side of the Uliah River was spoke to my angel, saying, Gabriel, explain the vision to Daniel and help him understand it. And then I realized that the one who spoke was the Son of Man, who is Jesus. Hmm. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what Daniel likes to call Jesus, is the Son of Man. So Gabriel came over to me, and when he came close... I was so terrified that I fell to my knees, face down to the ground. He said to me, Daniel, you're human, so you won't be able to understand everything because the vision extends all the way to the time of the end. Hmm. So there's our first clue in this vision. And uh, this is also a principle in understanding Bible prophecy in general, in that when a prophecy is given... It extends from the time of the prophet down to the time of the end. end. And uh, Gabriel's explaining this principle of Bible prophecy to Daniel 
saying that this vision, yes, it starts at your time, but it will continue all the way down right. to the end of time. And some of it you just won't be able to understand because <laughs> yes. it's so far removed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this conversation took place while I was still in vision and in a trance. Then he touched me and stood me on my feet again. And he continued, First, I want you to understand what will happen in the near future and that behind and above all the fury and passions of nations, God is still in control. Mm-hmm. And I underlined that in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he still is in control. He is. We see some very interesting things happening in our country. And we wonder what's coming. Yes. You know, but I have to keep telling myself, you know, God's in control. <laughs> we'll just see what develops out of it. He is. And we know the end of the story. Right. That <laughs> <laughs> Jesus wins and, and, and everything is good at the end. But as I said to you, the last part of the vision applies to the time of the end, and you don't have to concern yourself about it. So, oh, excuse me. Finish verse 19. Was that the end of it? Yeah. I think we should stop there. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's that's right. We're getting ready. Uh, He's getting ready to tell Daniel exactly what the ram meant and the goat meant and... um, go into the explanation, but we are out of time. So we're going to just leave you in suspense for another week. (laughs) Time goes by fast when you're having fun. It does. (laughs) Uh, But I think that's the important thing to remember, that God is in control, no matter what we see going on around us. Um, That's the most comforting thing about prophecy, is we can look back and realize that God knows the end from the beginning, and that He is still in control no matter what happens. And uh, the Bible talks about men's hearts failing them for fear of Mm -hmm. what's coming on the earth. They don't know what God has in store. Yeah. Because they don't really understand the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. It's good news. (laughs) It is. (laughs) It is. That really is the good news, that... We know the end of the story. We know who wins. We know what happens. And, and we know that no matter what happens, God loves us and he cares for us and he cares about us and he's going to protect us. And so I'm just so thankful for that and thankful for the knowledge that we have. And as we um, go through the book of Daniel, as we learn the things that he was shown and has written down for us to know, um, that's what we really need to remember is that God is in control. So next week, we are going to do the second half of Daniel chapter 8. We're going to find out what all that stuff means, and that will be right here on Stories of Faith and Hope. In the meantime, you can find us on faithandhoperadio.com, on Facebook at Faith and Hope Radio. Uh, You can listen to us, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out next week and the weeks following for the episodes. You can catch up on old episodes on each of those platforms or on our website. Music was provided by Dexter Britton under the Creative Commons license. And this podcast and this radio show is sponsored by the Lawrenceburg Seventh-day Adventist Church. So check them out at lbergsda.org. 
Hope you're having a wonderful day. Have a great week. God bless. And until we meet again, have faith and hope.